0: It's Sunday and we are proud to give you the episode that you probably probably were looking for on Friday. Um, The reason why it's late, two reasons, uh, we had a puppy situation, Um, the puppy is fine, so we want to, you know, shout out Max on the show, Um, but then I got to look. And this is our 100th episode. So, um, (coughs) you know, it's the holidays. So here at FRPC, we want to thank our loyal listeners. And we ask you to share with like your, you know, your um, co-workers and what have you and friends and, you know, put people on the pod because uh, this is how we grow our numbers and grow out our community. So. I look forward to that in the new year, Um, but man, we just got like a lot of stuff to get to, but I just want to show first appreciation because I wanted to get a holiday themed uh, podcast out, which we're going to do and also get you that Eastern Conference recap that we said that we were going to do for you. So all of that is on the table. You were getting that. Um, first, I want to give you uh, the sentiments of, of Dane and Nico. Um, they are ecstatic about coming. Uh, well, in Nico's case, coming back. And in Dane's case, coming aboard. Uh, we'll, we're still working on it. Um, so in the new year, look forward to that. It will not just be my voice on this podcast. So we got that to look forward to. So keeping in mind of the holidays, we give you FRPC's three NBA wishes. Now, these wishes are for the rest of the season, um, I chose to stay away from specific teams, um, you know, so we're not showing favoritism, so there's nothing Rockets-specific, there's nothing Lakers-specific on this pod. Some people would say we're heavily biased towards A- uh, OKC, okay, well, <laughs> we're not, uh, we just like the talent, but these wishes are basically for us as podcasters fans you know twitter how they get down um you know and just and, and just little 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 changes that we thought of so the first of the three wishes for the NBA holiday season and going forward is can we have an active trade deadline season And, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, of course you want that because you're a podcaster and, you know, you need clicks and da-da-da. Listen, that's transparent. I definitely want that for that, for sure. Let's not get it twisted. These are the facts. But I actually did come up with three reasons why this should be something that we as fans want and also... It just makes a lot of sense. And let me give you the three reasons. One, get teams to pick a direction. Okay? So, we're looking at Chicago. We're looking at uh, Toronto. Okay? Um, Detroit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we might have to talk about that a little bit. Um, <coughs> and then... Number two, it's going to spark conversation. Obviously, podcasters, obviously uh, insiders, people on TNT, ESPN, wherever. Anytime there's a robust trade season um, with multiple rumors, multiple names out there, different trades. Obviously, it gives a lot of content for people. So, you know, I'm not gonna, like I said, full transparency. And then the third thing is this. Since the NFL has decided that they are going to put football on Saturday, Sunday, and all day Monday, which usually was pretty much held for the NBA for the longest period of time, a active trade market can grab some of the attention away from the pinnacle of the NFL season, which is the Super Bowl. Right? So this is kind of why I'm asking for a active trade deadline is because of this, you know, those three reasons, I think, and, and they're pretty good reasons. So, um, all right, NBA front offices, let's mix it up. Okay. So Santa, that's what, that's on our list for Santa to bring to us tomorrow and going forward, right? Okay. I'm gonna save that one for last. I'm gonna no, you know what? I'm gonna get into this. We're gonna get serious for a second. Um, can we get a second screen alternative experience from the NBA? Um, where we can get live sound that's on the court. Now, let me give you this. It would be a unique experience, perspective to the game. Obviously, you would be able to hear players. You'd be able to see referee and uh, player interaction, coach, referee interaction. <coughs> Obviously, player player interaction, things of that nature. Um, you can farm out another revenue stream, advertising dollar, dollars, etc., So, here's the thing. Um, The NBA is always looking for whatever is next, whatever is new. They seem to be very open to a lot of ideas. Again, you know, this is something that is another way for them to go ahead and monetize the product. Now, my third thing Is I'm I'm taking into acknowledgement that the language on the court is very colorful, you know, and things of that nature with the refs and the players, you know, I understand that. So I would think that if you could put this on like cable or Apple or Amazon or whoever else would want this, uh, this NBA intellectual property. Giving the fans an intimate insight and some some insight to the night-to-night point of view of these incredible athletes, I think it's a win-win. But, you know, you're looking at just, you're going to be able to see how the fans' energy, you're going to see how, you know, maybe some interaction between players and fans, you know. So, I mean, I just think there's such an upside to this. You know, and I hear from people all the time that, you know, they're tired of, like, the ESPN, you know, product as far as that's concerned. Uh, TNT still gets high grades, but that ESPN product right now, um, which I like a lot of people on the show. You know, Zach Lowe is my guy. You know, I quote him here on this podcast a lot, but giving the fans... Uh, peek inside, you know, anything that we can get that's a little insider, uh, especially for the the basketball nerds and and, and the people who are really into this, I think it would be a worthwhile investment and something to look into personally. All right, let's get to the third one, and the third one to me is, I love it, I'm I'm here for it, but uh, let's talk about it and I got some notes, wrote some stuff down, so, here we go, if we can get the thing to sit up there, hopefully, okay, third, third NBA Christmas holiday wish, whatever you want to call it, let's designate home color, colorway, at home, let's, let's, let's make it Light colors, white, or if you are not white, you know, like with the Lakers, they're gold, purple and gold. Can we get the home colors to be what they are? Now, I might sound. (laughs) And here's the thing. I'll even give you latitude. I'll even give you latitude with the light colors. But I just need them to be unilaterally the light colors. Now, whether it's the City Edition, the Statement Edition, the Christmas Edition, which they took away, which was weird. LeBron says something about that. Latin Heritage Month. Racial Inclusion. Rock the Vote. 70s or 80s Night. Outer Space. I don't care what the theme is. As long as the colorway is what we are accustomed to, you know, with with the NBA. Like, Boston at home should wear white. Not green. Not black. They should wear white with green trim. Now, here's the thing. Your shoes... Go crazy, do whatever it is that you want to do with the shoes, but the armband, the compression pants, the headband, the wristband, the finger sleeve, all of that, white or green. You know what I'm saying? Like it should match the your home colors. All right. Um <clears throat> Oh, here's the other thing, too. Go crazy on the road. Go crazy. You do whatever it is that you want to do on the road. You want to look like a shamrock shape? Go right ahead. You want to look like the American flag? Go right ahead. You want to look like your favorite anime character? I'm good with that. Comic book or movie, or, you know, Marvel Cinematic Movie Hero? Cool. You want to wear... Plaid fantastic Gold LeMay, with that too. Just as long as the home colors stay the light colors the, the, the traditional colors that's all I really want to see variations of that so however like I said however you want to do it you want to put the you know the home name in script You want to block, you know, like I said, you want to do the street edition or whatever. As long as the Miami Heat look like the Miami Heat, you know, like, I don't know. Some of these color schemes have gotten way out of control on the night-to-night basis. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous to me. But those are the three things that we are giving to the NBA as wishes, so I hope you guys enjoyed that, we're going to try to do something like that every year, so this was our first annual, and um, man, you know, we had fun with it, and I hope you guys had fun with it, let's get to the Eastern Conference recap, now I wrote A lot of this on Friday, so these stats also might be indicative of Friday numbers, so bear with us on that. Um, A couple things haven't changed, and we'll get into that right away. Okay, so how we did this is we broke it up by division, and you know, we're gonna go division by division, but we're also gonna give you their conference. Ranking or whatever because of record. So, we're going to start off with the Detroit Pistons. The Detroit Pistons right now are 2-26. and 26. Yep, not great. Um, 15th in the East. They signed Monty Williams to a long-term contract in the offseason. Um, also, it's bare mentioning that Troy Weaver of late signed a contract. I think it was either earlier this year or last year. So he's like in the first year of like a multi year deal. Um <clears throat> they got Joe Harris, who has done really nothing for them. And I think that Joe Harris might have seen his last days. Monty Morris is also not played for them very much. And they drafted I saw our Thompson. Okay. Now, here's the thing that I find interesting with the Detroit Pistons. And I was talking to somebody, and I want to shout him out. Patrick, our guy from the Discord, um, we were having a conversation about Detroit, and he said, I really like the swings that they went after he just didn't know what the scouting department was looking at because. You know, Marvin Bagley III really hasn't shown too much of anything in his days in Sacramento, and obviously Wiseman didn't show a lot at Golden State. But my counter to that was, if you have Cade, and you already had Doran, and you already had Stewart, and Cade is the guy you're trying to build around, wouldn't you keep or get shooting around him if you know that that's not his strong suit and maybe that's not Ivy's strong suit. So the guys that you put around them are shooters, right? Um, I did enjoy his point about, you know, taking a swing because you never know if somebody is underutilized. I bring up the name Jermaine O'Neal a lot. And because it's just a tale, it's a cautionary tale. This guy was in, um, he was in, Go, he was in Portland, sorry about that, I was getting a text. Uh, he was in Portland, and he went to, he went to, uh, Indiana and just took off. He just absolutely took off after that. So you never know. You always should take the you always should take the swing. You should always do that situation. Um if for some reason you know it doesn't work out, you know, cut your losses. But here's the thing with Detroit, it just didn't match. And when you look at this team, it just doesn't fit. The players just they don't fit at all. Um, and here's the thing: you maybe have egg on your face, but staying neutral for the sake of saving face to be proven right three down, three years down the road when Ivy learns how to shoot or be, you know, be able to be on the court with Kate at the same time. I mean, I don't know how long it's gonna take, but <clears throat> excuse me. Ivy needs the ball. Cade needs the ball. And as kept, Asour needs the ball a little bit too, but he can play without it. All right. You also got Killian Hayes, who needs the ball. He's in the mix. Marcus Sasser gets less and less time. And again, it's not... If Cade is your guy you got to build things around them that are going to breed success, and they just haven't. Now, here's the other thing that I want to read to you that I also think is very, very important. K. Cunningham, first overall pick, 20, 2021 draft. Okay? Now, when I get to the end of this, actually, no, I'm going to do it now. So, he was drafted in 2021. He's only played in 104 career games. Jaden Ivey, fifth overall pick, 2022 draft. He's been in 98 games. Arsor Thompson, obviously, this is his rookie year, so 2020 plus. Jalen Durant, 13th overall pick, 2022 draft, 81 career games. Hmm. You're gonna to start to see a pattern here. Marcus Sasser doesn't count. Rookie James Wiseman, second overall pick, 2019 draft, only 102 games. Marvin Bagley the third, second overall pick, 2018, 231 games. And Isaiah Stewart, 16th overall, and he's at 215 games. He's the closest one to, you know, playing the kind of prerequisite amount of games in your time in the league. But if you look at that, there's not one guy in eight guys that has three years of basketball, NBA basketball on-court experience. How can you win like that, man? Like, how can you win with that kind of mix? I just don't see it to be fruitful at all. Um, I don't know what direction they're going in. And honestly, to tell you the truth, because their pick is caught up in some pick swap this year, they can't even trade it. So honestly, I think you got to start selling off pieces and whatever those pieces are. You know, if you're looking for more um, pick, you know, pick equity back, get that. <clears throat> if you're looking more for a player, get that. But right now, this isn't great at all. Um, we move on to the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls have a record of 13-17. and 17. Keep in mind, these are... As of Friday night standings. Okay. Um, Billy Donovan is the head coach. And Arturis Karnishevich is their uh, exec. Now, here's what they've done. They basically signed their guys in the offseason. Kobe White. We'll get to him in a second. uh, Io Desumu. and uh, Javon Carter. Zach Levine left with a sore heel. He's out until January. Since the Levine injury, Kobe White has just been, I mean, he's been ridiculous. I like that kid. He's provided juice to a lifeless uh, starting lineup with Levine asking to be traded, basically, And he looked like he had checked out. Towards the end of Levine the last couple games, he just didn't look very interested to be there. In the last five games, White is averaging 22 points a game, seven assists. White has quickened the pace since being inserted into the starting lineups. For Chicago, it really comes down to what you think they are, and I think they're in a t- they're they're the team in limbo. And I personally think they should go ahead and start making trades. Now, here's the problem: Levine trade market is not as great as people want it to be. It's just not. Um, you know, I know there will be people who will finally jump on that, but. I think they should go ahead and focus on what they're going to do with DeRozan and or Caruso um, and go ahead and take care of those and see what you can recoup back and then make the Levine trade because I think he might be the lesser asset of the three at this point as far as value. So... That's what I think of the <laughs> Chicago Bulls. Unfortunately, it's not a it's not a great scene there. Okay, let's get to the Indiana Pacers. They have kind of fallen on some hard times, but 14 and 13. They're eighth in the East. Okay. Um Rick Carlisle is the head coach. Kevin Pritchard is the exec. They signed Bruce Brown in the offseason. They traded Chris Duarte to Sacramento. And they also got Obi Topkin from the New York Knicks. Halliburton has made another leap, obviously. Um, Halliburton has been incredible. His volume has gone up. But his efficiency has stayed at the same, is 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 uh increased as well. So Listen to this. He's averaging two plus more field goal attempts this year, 17.2, to last year's 15. His field goal percentage this year is 48.9, right? That right there just tells me that he's he's just locked in. The other thing, his three point attempts has also went up this year, from seven point two last year to eight point five. So I mean, he's just shooting the ball with a credit, a incredible efficiency, and even with the struggles, I think that Halliburton has showed that he's definitely taking another step. Indiana's in a really really good place with him. Um, let's talk about some more numbers that I got here with him. Um, so he's shooting in three. He's shooting forty point nine percent this year. Last year forty percent. So not much of a change, but more volume. So nothing's really changed. His effective field goal percentage is uh, fifty nine point eight. Last year it was fifty eight point six. His free throw attempts this year are four point four. Last year three point six. His assist total obviously up 12 this year to 10.4 last year. And his scoring has gone up by almost four points. He's at 24.3 last year, 20.7. Uh Jarris Walker, which we haven't seen, we've seen very little of at this point in time. He's kind of the Swiss Army knife out of the University of Houston. But the emergence of Obi Toppin has cut into juris Walker's development. And um, the reason why is that Obi Toppin shooting 38.7% from uh, three. And <clears throat> that was the problem with Walker coming into the league was, was the shot real. And I think with Toppin and Naismith uh, shooting at the fourth spot, there's just not a lot of room for juris Walker at this point in time. Still got a lot of, You know, promised a lot of, you know, I think the kid works hard. So I'm not saying that it's never going to come. I'm just saying he fell into a developmental kind of black hole because unfortunately he's not going to get the time on the court because they got off to this great start. And the people that are playing his position can actually shoot it from three. And that's the kind of offense they want to run. So then the breaks. Um, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers a little bit. They are 16 and 13. They're seventh in the East. JB Bickerstaff is the head coach. Kobe Altman is the executive. Uh, they got Streus from Miami in a trade. They re-signed Karis Levert. They side tied Jerome to a contract and George Dyang as well. Um, Evan Mowgli's out with a knee injury. This is terrible timing for this. And you know the thing that I'm I'm having a hard time with Cleveland is, and I think a lot of people start to bring this up, is that the Donovan Mitchell trade might have sped them up. A little too quick. And what I mean by that. Is that you have a point guard. In Darius Garland. Who is. I mean he was at an all-star level. You know before. Donovan even got there. And now. You know he is taking back seat. To Donovan Mitchell. Which he should be right. You know Donovan is the more established guy. Um, he's also the guy who. Is. Shown that he can be money in the playoffs, he's also shown that he can not show up in the playoffs. So you get kind of a yin and yang with Donovan, but on the packing order, Donovan would be number one when it comes to the Cavaliers. Um, but the offense just looks—it looks stagnant, and the are de- the, the lack of development of Evan Mobley has been astounding. Uh, I I mean, I don't know. The shot has disappeared. The touch has disappeared. And he's too light at this point to be a center. So we're kind of stuck. So this dude needs to find a jump shot. And he needs to get on that, like, post-haste. I don't know. I mean, I made a statement about Donovan Mitchell being traded. Then there have been things been floated out there that, um, you know, Donovan is not on the trade market. But I think for this team, they need to go ahead and see if they can get this reimagined a little bit. Uh, I think they should turn over the reins to Garland um, and then augment him with a winning group use the star power of Mitchell to to get back what they need, you know, which is shooting or whatever the case may be. Now, the problem is, is that their, their needs have changed because Mowgli's out. So now do you go chase, you know, something to replace Mowgli or do you look at whatever you're getting as an additive to what Mowgli and Garland could be? Um, there are so many things with that. You know, it depends on where you stand with Mowgli and, and what your, I guess, end of day Mobley will look like. Um, I'm still real high on him. I think it can turn around, but yeah, definitely, there needs to be more work that needs to be done in development. And also, I think reps, reps with the ball will help. And it's going to not happen when you have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, who both need the ball a lot. All right. <clears throat> I think I'm a little bit under the weather, but I don't feel it. All right. Let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks are 21-7. and They're second in the East. Adrian Griffin is the new head coach. John Horst is the executive and the Milwaukee Bucks went with the retention plan. They re-signed Lopez and Middleton, Jay Crowder, the Giannis brothers. They did get Ty Ty Washington and then they made the big trade for Damian Lillard and all seemed well in Milwaukee until two days before this regular season and Stotts, who was going to be the assistant coach and kind of run the offense, was uh, fired or quit. Actually, he was quit because he said he was being uh, berated by Agent Griffin. Um, Here's the deal. We've not seen the pick and roll between Giannis and game as much as we thought we were going to and here's the other part the quick and roll if, uh, frequency for Giannis has gone from 1.8 to 2.3 I don't know if he likes running them I don't know if he likes the physicality of it I don't know if it's I, I want the ball in my hand I don't know what it is but that is something that's gonna have to change before they get to the playoffs um, it's the superpower. It's the weapon. It's the. <coughs> it was the reason to do the Dame trade in the first place. So, you were looking for some easy dynamicism in your in your play, and and, and kind of giving your your offense a boost. And here's the other thing: Dame is still part of the league leaders in pick and roll. He's just not doing it with Giannis. He's doing it with Lopez and Portis instead of Giannis. So until that gets better, I mean, they're winning. Um, they have a lot of talent. Middleton seems to be rounding back into shape. Uh, Connaughton has started to play. Um, you know, they're still missing a couple pieces at this point in time. But they are going to have to lean on some of the young kids too. That's the other thing that we have to talk about is that uh, Beauchamp, and Andre uh, Andre Jackson Jr. from Connecticut, those kids are going to have to play. Um, I think their defense is going to need them. So we'll see how it all plays out. <clears throat> all right, so let's get to the Washington Wizards. We told you it was going to be like this. Washington is 5-22. and They're 14th currently in the Eastern Conference. Their coach is Wes Unseld. And their exec is newly minted Michael Winger, who came over from the Clippers organization. They made a trade, obviously. Bill is in Phoenix. Uh, Chris Paul went to Golden State. Jordan Poole went to Washington. Um, they also got Tyus Jones in the Marcus Smart deal for the Porzingis situation. They re-signed Kyle Kuzma because that's an asset retention deal. And basically, this season is what we thought it was going to be. A lot of Jordan Poole taking ill-advised shots. It's been a lot of what we really thought it was going to be, unfortunately. Um... I want to talk about something that I heard on the right time with Bomani Jones, and he was speaking to Gilbert Arenas, and Gilbert Arenas was talking about Jordan Poole, and he thinks that Jordan Poole fumbled the bag, and what he said was this, is that, um, how are you with Curry, Clay, and Draymond, and how, how, how could you have not soaked all that championship knowledge that was just going to be freely given to you. How could you not take any of that? You know, he was just asking a question. And unfortunately, Jordan thinks a lot of himself, which, you know, you got to have a lot of confidence in yourself in the NBA. But I think sometimes you could slow down and maybe listen to the vets and You might have become a little bit better product, and maybe you wouldn't have ended up in the situation that you did in Washington. The Charlotte Hornets are the next on deck. They are 7-19. 13th in the East. Steve Clifford is still the head coach. Mitch Kupchak is still the exec. Um, They... Got Brandon Miller in the, the, he was second overall in the 20, in the 2023 draft. Um, they re-signed Miles Bridges, um, PJ Washington, and Nick Smith Jr. Now, um, I think basically where we are with this team and, you know, I didn't think about it at the time, because I was like, oh, they got to come in, clean house, blah, blah, blah. The problem is, is think about when they took over. Like, they took over, like, what, day of draft or, like, right after, which also means that free agency starts, like, almost pretty much immediate a- immediately after. Um. So, this is probably just kind of a holding pattern season for them. I think keeping Clifford aboard, keeping Cubchak aboard, now you have a lay of the land. Hopefully, you have gone on some of these road trips to kind of talk to other execs and other front offices and see what you want in the future for your team. But this is definitely a holding pattern. But there's a couple bright notes. I was hard on Brandon Miller when he came out. There are several reasons why. Uh, One, I didn't think he was physical enough. And when I saw they were putting him at kind of a front court role, you know, in the sense of he's 6'8". He's going to play basically small forward. I didn't think that was going to be a recipe for success. I just didn't think he was physical enough. I thought he was light. And I thought he'd get pushed around. And here's the deal. I was wrong on all accounts. Brandon Miller has played very well. He is shooting 38.2% from three. He's also shooting 79.2% from free throw line. 15 points, 2.3 assists, and 4 rebounds a game. He's showing good touch around the rim. Um... And that bodes well for Miller's future as a uh, as a shooter. So I'm I'm impressed with what I have seen from Miller. I was wrong, and I'm not I'm not afraid to admit it. So, but he is kind of like the shining bobble for them. I mean, Lamelo's kind of been in and out of the lineup, but uh, he's played well. So at least we know we got something in Brandon Miller. All right, we're going to move on to the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are 12-15. and They're 10th in the East. Quinn Snyder came aboard kind of like late last season just to get a feel, and now this is his uh, first full year. Now you got Landry Fields is now the exec. Remember, there was a kind of regime change there. Travis Slink, who is now like third. In command in Washington, or whatever case it may be, uh, you got that. Um, they traded John Collins, which opened up a spot for Jalen Johnson, and we'll get there in a second. They drafted Kobe Bufkin, who I'm still high on. I'm keeping all my Kobe Buffkin stock in the in this last year's draft, and the best part is Jalen Johnson in his third year has really blossomed. And and the one thing I think he actually might hold the key to what Atlanta future will look like. Um, Johnson has exploded with his opportunity. He is uh nearly doubled his field goal attempts. He's raised his field goal percentage. Uh, by twenty percent, he's gone from um, fifty nine point four this year from last year to forty nine point one. I mean, the numbers have just been incredible for this kid, and uh, he's shooting the ball more this year and averaging more three point attempts. Um, last year. He was at 1.5 this year. He's at 2.7. This year, he is shooting 42 42.5% from three. Last year he only shot 28.8. So kudos to Jalen Johnson and his development. Now, I think it's not a it's not a secret that once Jalen Johnson got hurt and was out of the lineup for a second, Atlanta. They didn't play well. They need that type of athleticism on the court, flying around, doing what he does to make them decent. I think that they're going to start targeting wings like this soon, and it might not become something of drafting. It might be something because of trade. I know that DeJounte Murray is probably looking at his probably last days in Atlanta. um, It looks like the Knicks are in. I think other teams should be in. So as this story starts to develop and we start to see some of the players that come come around, we will keep you up to date on that. But that is my take on Atlanta. We're going to move on to the Miami Heat. And what can you say about them? They're 16 and 12. They're 6th in the East. Eric Spolstra, head coach. Pat Riley is the exec. Um, free agent signings. Orlando Robinson, Josh Richardson. They got Jaime Jaquez Jr. With the 18th overall selection in this year's draft. And he's just been absolute gold. 12.9 points a game. Uh... 3.6 rebounds, 2.6 assists, and one steal. He's shooting at a 37% clip from three, 84.2% from the free throw line, and he's shooting his effective field goal percentage is 56.1. So all great things from a really solid player at UCLA, and he's going to be really solid for... Miami. I never think of Jaime Jaquez as like a star, but I definitely think he could start in his role. And he's one of those guys that uh, could work himself into an NBA rotation and play significant minutes in a high-pressure playoff game. But if you're asking me if I think Jaime Jaquez is ever going to be a one or two option, I don't think so. But he is a necessary evil to have boy. I tell you what. And you're glad to have him in Miami. So, shout out to our guy, Jaime Highcast Jr. You know UCLA, a clap all day. It's going, real, it's going to be real every time we talk about a Bruin on this podcast. All right. The other thing is Bam Adebayo. We're going to talk about his scoring. I want to... Let you know that his scoring steadily gone up the last four seasons. Now, this season, he's averaging 22 points a game. That would be a career high. Last year would have been a career high at 20.4. The year before that, that was a career high at 19.1. The year before that, 18.7. And then the bubble year, that was also a career high at 15.9. So he's just steadily gone up. Uh, his growth has just been great, man. I mean, just kudos to Bam just just working and getting it done. He's expanded his game. You can tell this year um, there's a little more passing aspect to it. Um, he's more aggressive with uh, taking um, post-ups when he can. Um, obviously, he's going to be an effective pick-and-roll guy. So Bam out of bile has been absolutely Great this year. I've been really impressed with just everything about him. Everything about him. Bet you Jimmy Butler doesn't have to push him very much, right? (laughs) All right. Now we're going to get to one of my favorite stories of the year. The Orlando Magic are 16 and 11. They're fourth in the East. Jamal Mosley to me is 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 abs- absolutely a coach of the year candidate and um John Weltman is the exact here's the thing man who who hasn't been impressed with Orlando right um I also think we're starting to see a separation between Paulo and Franz I know Franz had the big game. But, uh, Paulo has been awesome. And I think that's okay. I think any time that you can get your, your packing order in, in the correct situation as early as possible, you're just ahead of the game. And it looks like Paulo is going to be the number one guy and Franz is going to be the number two guy, but make no mistake about it. Both are very impactful to their team. Um, Let me give you some stats on Paulo because they're all trending up. This year, I think the thing that I liked about him is that it really it's been real gradual. It's been like little tweaks. So he's averaging sixteen field goal attempts a game. Last year he averaged 15.6, so it's it's just a little different. He's shooting ball forty-six. 0.7% from the field this year. Okay. Now, last year, he shot the ball a lot worse. I think it was like 42%. He's shooting less threes. Uh, It's uh, four four three-point attempts a game. Or actually, it's 3.5 this year, four last year. And then, here's the thing that I like. the 3 point shot last year was 29% this year is 38 so he went and just absolutely did it here's another thing that we're going to talk about Anthony Black he was the 6th overall pick um this kid out of Arkansas is 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 really good i i love this kid I don't know if he's going to be like a star star, but he's definitely going to be one of those guys you're going to love having on your team. Um, He's found like a 20 minute a game role already. He started 21 or 25 games. And his defensive pressure, whether, whether it's um on ball or just in the passing lanes and just his in- energy is just infectious. Um, he just brings some chaotic nature to that team, and it's some length as well. And obviously, we know about the, the, the playmaking of one Anthony Black. That's the thing that we were really uh, excited about in the draft coverage uh, early in the year. So if you want to kind of go back and listen to the draft coverage, get into the archive pods, all right? Get into those archive pods. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Call Oh, Cole Anthony. Let's talk about him real quick. He's thrived in the six-man role. Um, we talked about it in a previous podcast. Last year, he did not fully embrace it. This year, he is absolutely embracing it, and he's thriving. And he's definitely in the running for six-man of the year. And shouts out to him just to understand, like, hey, this is how I can be valuable to this team. This is, he might not be the best player. There might be shooting things. There might be uh, shooting, um, some of his attempts to me sometimes get a little shaky. But, um, he's a gunner, which sometimes you need coming off the bench. He gives them some juice. So you gotta love it. Um, He's actually one of the players that I really enjoy watching uh, with the Orlando Magic. All right. Let's get to the Toronto Raptors. They're 12th in the East. They're 11-16. Head coach is Darko Rajakovic, and their exec is Masai Jiri. They let Van Vliet walk without compensation, which I thought was absolutely criminal. They re-signed Jakob Pertl, which they had got in a trade last year when we thought they should be kind of tearing it down. They also signed Dennis Schroeder, former Laker, and also um, he turns into Kyrie Irving when he plays for the German national team. And they picked up Grady Dick with the 13th overall pick in the draft. Here are my questions. Siakam, OJM, Novi, Gary Trent Jr., Dennis Schroeder, all are on expiring contracts. And these are players that would definitely be impactful in other situations, maybe winning situations. And I just don't understand why we have not pulled the trigger. I mean, you can't lie dormant and, and 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 be this passive any longer. And I don't know why people aren't asking that question. Um, I really don't. I, I this seems very. I don't even know. It just like a derelict of duty, almost, damn near. If you think about it, right? Like. Siakam walks after this year. If you don't trade him, you get nothing. You got a lot of teams buying for like, you know, real legitimate like championship aspirations. You can't run up the price on one of those teams. I I, I don't know. OG Ananovi, they were trying to get four or five first round draft picks last year. I I mean, I like OG Ananovi. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not giving anybody that amount of picks for a 16-5 and 5 guy. And I know they say he can do more. I haven't seen it ever. Just be a good 3 and D, dude. I understand you want a more role, but maybe you just need to do your role as as great as you can possibly do it. And maybe in another environment, you will appreciate that role. Alright, let's get to the Brooklyn Nets. They are 13-14, 9th in the East. Jacques Vaughn bon is the coach. Sean Marks is the executive. Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, Darius Basley, are some of the signings. Derek Whitehead and Noah Clowney were picked back-to-back in the first round. This uh last year, both were coming off like injuries and, and, and whatnot. So we didn't think to, we were going to see a lot of them anyway. Um, Cam Thomas. <clears throat> now, here's the thing, man. Cam Thomas likes to shoot the basketball. This boy, whoo, loves to shoot. And the counting numbers have exploded. I mean, 24 points a game. I mean, he's getting the shots. Um, he's providing uh, a level of independent... Um, offensive initiation that they sorely lack so he's the type of guy that if you have five seconds left on the clock and nothing's worked you can give him a ball get him the ball and he will take the shot because he's not scared and he's not seen a shot that he has not liked so uh which the irrational confidence guy can be good for certain teams, and in a team like this where the offense can get bogged down, I could see that. Um, but there's another team that you know. What are we doing? Where where are we looking? What what are we looking to do? Are we are we okay with treading water? Remember, they don't have their draft pick this year. It's Houston's, so keep that in mind as well. The New York Knicks are 16-11, and 5th in the East. Tom Thibodeau is the coach. Leon Rose is, is the exec. <clears throat> the Villanova signing day of DiVincenzo signing to go with uh, Jalen Brunson and Josh Hart. Did, I mean, it's just Villanova all day, every day there. Jalen Brunson continues to... Exceed expectations. Jalen Brunson has maintained um, has uh, maintained his uh, volume as the number one option. So his name is showing up on the whiteboards constantly. He's the number one dude, and still the efficiency is still great. Forty five point eight percent from three. Man, are you kidding me? This dude is ridiculous, bro. Like, honestly, he's like six foot one. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tim Hardaway. And I'm not talking about Tim Hardaway Jr., I'm talking about senior. You know, the skill level, the dance with the basketball. He just has a lot of that in him, the one on one mono on mono, I can get to my spot, you can't you can't stop me type situation in him, and, uh, it has served him well, that dude has just been amazing, now, bad news, the Mitchell Robinson thing, out for the season, this is terrible, uh, Jericho Sims got hurt, um, this is devastating, especially when you were maybe looking to, figure out which position you were going to upgrade, which was the Julius Randall or Jerry R.J. Barrett situation and seeing maybe, Hey, if I got Mitchell Robinson, I got all the Villanova guys, you know, I got Emmanuel quickly. Maybe I upgrade one of these positions and we take off to a higher level. Now with Mitchell Robinson out, do you, Do you go get a big, Um, you know, do you kind of give up on this season a little bit, you know, to kind of fall back and, and, you know, get over whatever you need? Here's the thing. They're going to be too good to get like anything value, you know, uh, really, really viable um, unless they get lucky in lottery. The other thing is, is that you don't want to just go out and grab something when you're in position of weakness like this. I mean, I understand the, 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 just the, the, the organic nature of just feeling like we need to do something. Um, and they do. And I'm not sitting here saying like, don't do anything, but I just hope that they're strategic enough and make sure that they don't lose a ton of assets just to fill this role, knowing that Mitchell Robinson is coming back next year. So uh, we'll keep an eye out on that and see how that looks. But they do need a skyscraper, and and and, and that will be the search for right now. So we'll see what, what ends up happening, right? It'll be interesting to see. The Philadelphia 76ers are 19-8. and eight. They are third in the East. Nick Nurse... Is the head coach? Daryl Morey is the executive. Okay, so Harden gone. PJ Tucker gone. Pat Belb comes in. Mo Bamba comes in. They re-sign Big Ball Paul. Paul Reed to Um what is it? The the after rookie deal. They signed to a really good contract. I liked it. Okay. Morey wanted another star. Remember that? Remember, uh, if I'm giving up Harden, I want another star in return. It looks like he already has one. Okay. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is putting up 26 points a game, 6.7 dimes. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, this is crazy. Four boards almost. So, I think Morey can now re... Imagine the roster in a different way Knowing that he has Tyrese Maxey in the fold